This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Legend of the Bones. Following in the footsteps of giants, Legend of the Bones is a chimera. A mix of old school tabletop RPG and dark fantasy storytelling. As its name might suggest, in Legend of the Bones, the dice rule. There'll be no rerolls, no fudging the dice, no metacurrency. The roll of the bones will determine the character's destiny and no one will be spared their fate. None shall escape the destiny of bone. Last time on Legend of the Bones, the party consisting of Beric the fighter, Lena the cleric, Keir the rogue, and Valen the mage began their journey over the Tain Moor, a wild and desolate place of bleak hills and dark woodlands. On the second day of their journey, the companions lost their way in thick fog. That was until they were guided out by a magnificent and mysterious white stag. However, they lost a whole day in the process. In a flashback, we learnt about Valen's early life in the distant land of Hranvis, an island nation in the Great Western Ocean and how he left his homeland after accidentally killing his cruel former master. In the wilderness trek that followed, the party was fortunate to find sufficient food and water to sustain them. Now on the 11th day since the shipwreck, exploring a cave as a possible campsite, the companions have encountered something truly monstrous. Chapter 4, Part 1, Day 11, Evening, Party Status, Beric, 9 out of 9 hit points, Lena, 6 out of 6 hit points, Kia, 4 out of 4 hit points, Valen, 4 out of 4 hit points. Spells available, Valen has memorised, Push. The light from Kia's torch spilled into the cavern illuminating the mass of foul detritus that littered the floor. Rags, excrement, and the decomposing carcasses of a variety of creatures. The fetid stench was overpowering, and the companions felt nauseated as the noxious fume filled their nostrils and throats. From the darkness across the far wall, three pairs of eyes reflected like those of a cat in the torchlight. There was a hissing sound, followed by cackling as three grotesque and gangly creatures emerged into the light. They had the forms of hideous, scrawny old women. Their backs were hunched and their limbs elongated. The fingers of their hands each ended with long, dagger-like claws. The features of their faces were exaggerated like some twisted parody of humankind. Their white hair was lank and greasy and hung down to their sagging breasts, which were only partly covered by the filthy rags which they wore. One of the creatures held a severed arm on which it had clearly been feasting. The faces of all three were smeared with fresh blood as they grinned with mouths filled with jagged and broken teeth.
the party has encountered a coven of three hags. Whilst hags appear in later supplements, the basic expert rules do not list them. Therefore, I have made a custom creature for this encounter. The hags are three hit dice creatures with a spellcasting ability of a third level magic user. You can find the full creature profile at legendofthebones.blogspot.com. Off mic, I rolled their hit points and spells with the results as follows. The first hag has 10 hit points and the spells Sleep, Charm Animal and Mirror Image. The second hag also has 10 hit points and the spells Charm Animal, Charm Person and Wizard Lock. The third hag has minned out at 9 hit points and has the spells Charm Person, Ventriloquism and Invisibility. First I need to roll for surprise. The hags two. The hags are surprised. The party? Another two. The party is also surprised. Combat here is not automatic. I'm going to make a reaction roll. As the party has invaded the hags lair, I'm going to apply a minus one penalty. In addition, hags will sometimes try to charm males in order to mate, but as Lena is in the party, I'm going to apply a further minus one penalty. With reaction rolls, higher is better. Here is the roll on 2d6. A 5, modified down to a 3. This indicates a possible attack, and will require a second roll. For a few seconds, both the party and the hags face each other off. Here is the second roll. A 7, modified down to a 5. That indicates an immediate attack. Entering combat. Round 1. Initiative. The hags. A 6. The party. A 3. The hags will act first. The first hag attempts to cast Mirror Image. Hags have an intelligence of 15. Just like mages, the hag will need to make a successful intelligence check to cast the spell. Here is the roll. 15, that's just enough. This spell creates 1d4 illusionary copies of the hag. Let's see how many there are. 3. Okay, three more hags appear before the party so that four of the creatures now move in exactly the same way. In the gloom it's impossible to tell which is the real one. The second hag attempts to cast Charm Person on Beric. Here is the hag's casting roll. A 20! That is a critical fumble and indicates a miscast. As mentioned in episode 2, I have created a custom overcharge and miscast table. You can find the table at legendofthebones.blogspot.com. Let's roll a d6 and find out what happens. A 2. This indicates that the spell is reversed and affects the caster. The hag can attempt a save versus spell. It needs a 15. A 12 is not enough. As the hag speaks the magical words, the enchantment backfires. She is convinced that the party are her friends and that they are in mortal danger. She turns to confront her sisters. The third hag runs forward to attack. I'm going to randomly roll her target on a d4. A 3. The hag will attack Kia. Hags have two claw attacks per round. She will need an 11 or more to hit the rogue. Here are the rolls on 2d20s. A 2 and an 8. Kier dodges to the side and the hag swipes at air. Now the party's turn. Unaware that the second hag's spell has backfired, Beric runs forward to attack her. The hags have an armor class of 12, meaning Beric needs a 10 or more to hit. A 3 is not good enough. Lena moves to attack one of the four duplicate hags. I will randomly roll which one she attacks. Lena will need a 12 to hit. A 19 is a hit for... 
five points of damage. Lena has chosen well. She slams her hammer into the shoulder of the hag. The thing screams in pain. One of the mirror images flickers and disappears. Kier trades blows with the hag that attacked him. With a 14, he slashes the creature across the chest for four points of damage. Valen fights alongside Lena, jabbing forward with his staff. I will randomly roll which of the duplicate hags he attacks. Valen needs a 12 or more to hit. A 12, but his staff passes harmlessly through one of the mirror images. Round two, initiative. The hags, a one. The party, a three. The party presses the advantage. Beric swings his sword at the charmed hag. He needs a 10 or more. An 11, four, eight points of damage. Plus his strength bonus, that's 10 points of damage. The hag turns to face the fighter, and as it does so, Beric decapitates the foul creature with one blow. Black blood sprays from the stump of its neck and it falls to the floor. Lena attacks the duplicated hag again. But with a five, the hag easily sidesteps her warhammer. Kier lunges against his opponent, looking for another opening. A ten means the hag steps back narrowly to avoid the rogue's blade. Valen turns his staff towards the same hag as Lena. But a six means his jab comes up short. Now the hag's turn. With one of their number killed, I'm going to make a morale check. The hags have a morale of 7. Here is the roll on 2d6. A 5. The hags will not stand for this invasion of their lair. They will continue to fight. The hag that casts Mirror Image will now try to cast the spell Sleep on Lena. Here is its intelligence check. A 5. That is a success. Lena needs to make a save versus spell to resist. Her wisdom score gives her a plus 2 to saving rolls, so Lena will need a 13 or more. Here is the roll. A 5. Lena's eyelids droop as she slides to the ground in a deep slumber. The hag fighting Kier attacks again. It needs an 11 or more to hit. One roll for each claw. A 17 and a 5. The hag's long claws do 1d4 points of damage. Okay. I am going to rule that should a character hit exactly zero hit points, then they will be unconscious rather than dead. This will not apply to NPCs or monsters. Kier has four hit points, so whilst this will not kill him, it may incapacitate him. Here is the damage roll. A three. The hag rakes its claw across Kier's chest, opening a grievous wound. Kier has just one hit point remaining. Round three. Initiative. The hags? A one. The party? Three, the party will strike first. With Lena out of the fight and Kier badly wounded, the party really needs some luck now. Having dispatched one of the hags, Beric moves to protect Lena from the hag that casts sleep. Beric needs a 10 or more to hit. Here is the roll. 16, four, five points of damage. Plus his strength bonus, that's seven points of damage. Beric strikes down with his sword, cleaving the hag from shoulder to breast. Black blood sprays from the wound, and the creature falls. The mirror images of the hag flicker for a moment, then disappear. There is only one hag remaining, and it only has three hit points left. Kier retreats out of reach, whilst Valen attacks with his staff. But a five is not enough. I'm going to make another morale check for the hag. It needs a seven or less on 2d6. A ten. The hag can only see death. It will attempt to cast its invisibility spell in order to escape. Here is the hag's casting roll. An 18. In its panic, the hag fumbles the words and the spell fizzles out. It starts to run for the exit. Round four. Initiative. The hag, a one. The party, 
three. The party will strike first. This could be the last round. The basic expert rules state that any attacks on a fleeing enemy get a plus two modifier. With his strength bonus as well, Beric only needs an eight or more to hit the hag. Here is the roll. A nine, four, eight points of damage, plus his bonus, that's ten points of damage. Beric swings his sword. The strength of the blow, combined with the hag's momentum, cleaves the creature in two. Blood sprays in the air as the severed body parts fall separately to the ground. Chapter 4, Part 2, Day 11, Evening, Party Status, Beric, 9 out of 9 hit points, Lena, 6 out of 6 hit points, Kier, 1 out of 4 hit points, Valen, 4 out of 4 hit points, Spells available, Valen has memorised, Push. Lena took Kier's torch and passed it to Beric, before sitting the rogue down to examine his wound. Leaving the novitiate to her ministrations, Beric walked over to Valen, who was inspecting the slain creatures. What were those things? Beric asked. Hugs. Fey creatures that are black of heart. A corruption of nature. They like to feed on children and the young to extend their evil lives. See there. Balan pointed towards several skeletal remains of small humanoids. Hags tend to live near where they can find their victims. My guess is we cannot be too far from Halstone. Before the mage could continue, their attention was caught by the sound of a small cough coming from the darkness of the far corner. Beric readied his sword and moved closer, raising the torch as he did so. As they approached, Beric and Valen saw that the wall of the cavern had a natural hollow approximately four feet across. A crude gate of willow branches had been constructed and wedged in place across the opening. Beric brought the torch forward and the light fell upon the ragged figures of two children, a boy and a girl. The children shied away from the light, whimpering. The older child, the girl, was perhaps nine or ten years old, shielded the boy with her arm. She looked up at the two men with a look of fear mixed with defiance. Beric handed the torch to Valen, sheathed his sword and crouched down. It's okay, he said gently. You're safe now. The girl's expression softened. Tears ran down her cheeks, leaving pale streaks through the dirt on her face. I'm going to break this gate open. Is that all right? She gave a small nod, then whispered to the boy who was visibly shaking. Beric grabbed the gate. Several of the branches snapped as he pulled the gate free and tossed it to one side. Crouching down once more, Beric extended his hand. Let's get you out of here. The girl took his hand whilst holding the boys in her other hand and allowed themselves to be escorted towards the cave entrance. Beric could see now that the boy was younger, perhaps only seven years old. He had a mop of filthy straw-coloured hair. With his other hand, he gripped a rock to his chest like a surrogate doll. Lena had finished bandaging Kier's wound, who was back on his feet, though the rogue looked pale. When they saw the two children, they could not disguise their shock. 
Lena crouched down to their level. She reached out to comfort them. The girl let Lena put her hand on her arm, but the boy shied away and clung to the girl. My name is Lena, the novitiate smiled. What are your names? Seven, said the girl in a small voice. And this is my brother, Rowan. Lena gave the girl's arm a gentle squeeze. Come with me. Lena led the children out of the cave with Kia and Valen, whilst Beric performed a final search. Among the refuse and bodies, Beric found a total of 120 silver shillings, which he added to his belt pouch before leaving to join the others. They made camp at the valley side. A couple of large granite boulders provided shelter, though the night sky remained clear with only the lightest of breeze. They had no food to give the children, but the pair eagerly drank from the offered water skins and took comfort from the small fire. The boy, Rowan, still refused to speak, but Seren told them how they had been taken by the hags two days ago. She relayed how their father had awoken them in the night. He seemed strange, not himself, distant, but he bid them to get out of bed and follow him, so they obeyed. When Seren asked her father where they were going, he told them to see some friends. Their father led them through the streets of Halstone. The hour was late and no soul was aboard, save the watchman on the town gate. They too behaved strangely and simply allowed them to pass without question. Beyond the town, their father led them into the wood and there, in a small clearing near the river, the nightmare things came. Seren and Rowan had screamed and tried to run, but their father held them firm. Seren beat on his chest with her fists, but he was immovable, calm and impassive. He gave them over and then, without looking back, turned and walked back towards Halstone. Seren stared at the flames of the campfire as tears welled in her eyes. Lena put her arm around the girl. There now, your father was bewitched, she said softly. He loves you. He could not help himself. His mind was enslaved to those things. Seren gave a small nod. And what of your mother? She's dead. I'm sorry. The party gave up their cloaks for the children to sleep in, and with the tranquil sounds of the burbling river and the rustling of leaves, the pair were soon asleep, curled up in each other's arms and wrapped in the woollen cloaks. The companions spoke in hushed tones as they watched over the children. They've been through so much. Thank the nine we found them when we did, Lena said. The world is cruel, Keir said flatly in response as he prodded the fire with a stick. The embers crackled and spat. That it is, Keir, Valen agreed. Sometimes, but there is also light. People have the capacity for great kindness. And great evil. Valen was staring into the flames. His mind was clearly elsewhere. The fire crackled again, sending tiny sparks up into the night sky. The bewitchment that Seren's father had been subjected to was the result of the hags using the first level spell, Charm Person. Those of you familiar with the basic expert rules will know that I've significantly stretched the mechanics of this spell. The rules state that 
commands that contradict the charmed creature's habits or alignment may be ignored. I think a parent's instinct to protect their children would definitely fall into this category. So why have I ignored this rule? Well, in truth I did so purely for the sake of the narrative. When I randomly rolled up the hag's spells, and two of them got charm person, it got me thinking about how the hags might trap their victims, and this seemed to fit. It felt thematic, so I went with it. Having said that, I do not want to make a wholesale change to the effects of charm person. Therefore, I have made a special spell variation that I have called Bewitch, and made this only available to hags. The variations are included as special rules with my hag custom creature description. You can find the details at legendofthebones.blogspot.com Okay, time to roll a few dice for day 12. Firstly, I'm going to rule that the companions allow Kier to rest all night due to his injury, and that the watches are taken by the other three. As such, Kier will recover one hit point through natural healing. Weather roll. A 15. Warm and fine. The glorious spring weather continues. Once again, I will not roll for losing direction. Stumble upon. 11. Nothing. Foraging. A 6. The party finds nothing to eat, and until they do so, all attack and damage rolls will have a minus 1 penalty. Wandering encounters. 2. An encounter is indicated. Now the roll on the wandering encounter table. An 18. Hmm, okay. This roll indicates an ancient burial mound or barrow as they are sometimes known. I think this is a great example of how a random encounter can help shape the game world. The Tainmore is a landscape little changed by the passage of time. This is largely due to the acidic soil which makes the region unsuitable for arable farming, but also because the moor is imbued with strong magical energy supporting the habitat of fey creatures, which in turn dissuades would-be settlers. Recognising its mystical significance, the people who lived in this region in times past often buried persons of importance in ceremonial mounds upon the moor. As such, ancient barrows can be found dotted across the landscape. Sometimes these are huge man-made mounds of earth, or else the barrow is cut into the hillside. These burial sites are often constructed on ley lines with other barrows, stone circles and prominent landmarks, making them beacons for magical energy. Sometimes this protects the site from disturbance, but other times the consequence is that the dead become restless. Chapter 4 Part 3 Day 12 Morning Party status Beric, 9 out of 9 hit points Lena, 6 out of 6 hit points Kier, 2 out of 4 hit points Valen, 4 out of 4 hit points Spells available Valen has memorised PUSH Having broken camp at dawn, the party followed the river northwards on the east bank. The pleasant spring weather continued, and everywhere plants and trees were in bloom. But this did little to distract the companions from their rumbling bellies. Lena held Seren's hand as they walked, whilst Beric carried Rowan upon his shoulders. The boy had still not spoken, but Beric would occasionally break into a gallop and imitate a horse, which did elicit a giggle. It was a moment of much-needed levity after everything they had been through. The stunted oaks from the earlier woods had been replaced by a wider variety of trees. Now birch, alder and hawthorn dominated. 
After an hour of walking, the trees thinned somewhat and then opened into a large glade which spanned the river. Ahead of them was a huge grassy mound some 40 feet in diameter and 30 feet high. Atop the mound, a large boulder stood erect. The companions decided to climb the mound in the hope of gaining a better view. And as they reached the summit, they saw that the boulder, which was seven feet in height, was aligned in an east-west direction. And more curiously still, near the top of the boulder was a large hole roughly eight inches in diameter. Beric stood on the eastern side and looked through the hole. His gaze fell across the river to the valley side, and there, cut into the hillside, was some kind of stone portal. Look, Beric pointed at the portal. What is it? Keir asked. A bow, Balin explained. An ancient burial place, the mage continued. My guess is that the sun shines through this hole at a particular time of day and illuminates the portal. But why? Keir asked quizzically. Who knows? Those secrets are long lost with the people who built it. We should investigate. There may be something of value. No, Lena objected. It is a place of rest. We should not defile it. And besides, we have no food and we need to get the children to safety. Lena's right, Beric said. And look there, that must be Halstone. Beric pointed northwards over the tree line, where perhaps only a mile away was the unmistakable sight of civilization. They descended the mound and continued northwards towards Halstone. The woodland began to show signs of forestry, and soon a clear path became visible which greatly hastened their progress. Before long the path became a track, and the party emerged from the woodland into open pasture in which sheep grazed lazily in the spring sunshine. A few hundred yards ahead, the walls of Halstone were visible, and a weight was lifted from the companions. Presently, they passed through the gates. A guard asked their business, but then recognised the children and waved them through. But as the companions were soon to discover, all was not well in Halstone. Thank you for listening to Legend of the Bones. If you like what you've heard, then please consider giving it a five-star review in your podcatcher of choice. Every review helps the show reach new listeners. You can also help by liking or retweeting new episode announcements. You can contact me on Twitter at legendbones, email at legendofthebones at gmail.com, or go to legendofthebones.blogspot.com for show notes, character profiles, maps, and more. Join me next time to find out what awaits our adventurers as the bones decide their fate. None shall escape the destiny of bone. The following podcast is not intended for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm. When all planes of existence fall to ash, there is only one realm that remains. The Iron Realm. Before you in all directions, deep in the dark, there lies the maze, the Iron Realm. Millions of miles of corridors, caves, tunnels without end. This is the ultimate dungeon. Orcs, gods, kobolds, trolls. Ready your sword, your spells, your crossbow, your warhammer. The Iron Realm. Keep close, your companions, for they are your only hope for survival. Elf, 
fighter, wizard, cleric. There are no rerolls. There is no way out. Yet here, in the dark, if any of the merciful gods still remain, you may find the strength you need to fight. The cunning you need to hide, and the luck you need to stay alive just a little longer. Iron Realm! Iron Realm! Iron Realm! I am your maze master, Abel Enzo. Get your dice and graph paper, and be sure to bring your friends. I'll see you in the realm. <laughs> Get the podcast at theironrealm.blogspot.com. There be dragons here.